for all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass. This podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. What's happening, y'all? Princeton Parker here again. Welcome to Building Without a Blueprint. I'm so glad you tuned in. As always, I want to open the episode by saying I am grateful to God for life and love, and I am grateful to you for listening. Thank you for hanging with a brother through 2021. I'm so glad that you continue to hang out with me and spend some time on the podcast. Listen, y'all. First of all, it's already a year. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I think we say that, but that happens every year. However, what hasn't changed, a lot has changed, a lot has changed, but what hasn't changed is love. Want to hear a song about it? I think that'd be a great song. In fact, if only someone wrote a song about how love is one of the things that hasn't changed. Actually, uh, they have, someone did write a song um, that someone is is me. I definitely wrote a song about love, not ch- <laughs> Is that annoying when people do plugs like that? You're like, bruh, just say you wrote a song. Jesus. Um, no, but in, in all actuality, um, I released my first single ever. And I remember mentioning it on the podcast before the end of last year. And uh, yeah, it, it actually, we actually did that. It actually came out. <laughs> I'm so awkward at this. Can you tell? Jeez. Buy my single, please. (laughs) Go listen to it, please. Say nice things, please. (laughs) No, really. Go check it out. Um, Here's here's why I bring that up. Not just because I want to do a plug, but also because I think one of the things about me is that I had a lot of insecurity around... Um, putting out music. I've been playing music for a long time, but I saw myself as like a, a preacher who like wished he was a musician. I always thought musicians were cool. And that was one of the reasons why I got into music was because I loved it, number one. And then number two, I just thought like, hey, that is so much cooler. Like preaching is cool, but like music is like, oh my God. And so that was what like pushed me into doing music. And I loved it growing up in church and all that. But still, like releasing music always felt like a, a far away feat. But finally pressed in and, and did it. And what has helped me has been hearing how the song touched people and hearing from other musicians that, who inspire me and, and hearing how they have felt about it and hearing how people have connected with the lyric has been major. And so I want that to be inspiration to whoever is a creative and not that it takes the validation of people for us to know that we did the right thing. I'm I'm proud that I said yes and I, I heard it. It was in me and I produced it. But if you ever feel like creating something 
and you go through like the highs and the lows of like, I'm not legit enough to do this. My voice doesn't matter in the space. This is not who I am. Like all of that stuff. If, if that's you, if you've ever felt like that, I want you to keep going this year. I want you to say yes to you. I want you to push through and do it, do the hard thing because you are worth that. You are worth getting what is on the inside of you out and you'll never know how truly powerful it is, how amazing it can be. And more, and, and in addition, you'll never know who it can touch until you release it. And I think that was a major thing for me, uh, hearing some of the testimonials and stories about how people connect with the lyric and the song has been really inspiring. So um, now we're going to do a whole album. <laughs> I'll play the whole single on one of these episodes, but that will be in a future time to come. You know why we're here. <laughs> We're here to finish some business we started last week. I done got knee deep into telling on myself and I I figured we're here now, so we might as well get all the way out there. We are talking about why do men ghost part two. That is why we are here. And I got some more to give you. I am not about to spend too much time recapping last episode. I, I personally, when I'm listening to podcasts, I hate when people do this. I hate when they tell you, pause this episode right now and go listen to the last one. I hate it. Don't tell me what to do. I clicked on this one because I felt like it. But I'm going to be one of those people that say who watched part one because I'm going to jump right in because I want to honor your time. We be ghosting out here. Look, Princeton, be honest, like you did in the first episode. I was ghosting out here. And let me, let me not say it like that, like it was just... A lot. Ew. I didn't like the way I sounded when I said that. I didn't like that. Ew. <laughs> I had ghosted. I have, I've, I've had an, a ghosting experience. <laughs> I've also been ghosted. So I'll put that out there because remember I said this last episode, I, everybody's doing this on both sides of the spectrum, but I am a man, a 26 year old male at the time of recording this 26 year old black man might I add. So I can only speak from my experience. So, bros, I'm talking brother to brother, man to man, son of God to son of God, as we try to figure this thing out. Why do we do this? And I'm unpacking things not from somebody who's just judging you from the side. I've done it. I've lived it. I've had to unpack it. I've had to face it. And now we're on the other side of it. All right. So remember, and the reason number one, why do we ghost? Because you and I feel like in this nice guy trope that we live into, that uh, we don't want to hurt their feelings. We're also taught that in order to be a protector, that means that we have to guard um, their feelings by abandoning our own. Second reason was it got too deep. We was all in when it wasn't serious. And now that it is starting to get serious, we run away for one reason or another, either because we never wanted anything serious to begin with or uh, because we do want something serious and this is a form of self-sabotage. Let's get deep into this thing today. Reason number three, why men ghost, because many of us don't possess the tools to have an adult conversation. I, I know, hold on, before you run away. You and I, bro, oftentimes watch this. There's a difference between having game and knowing how to do relationships. And many of us know how to finesse without ever becoming in touch with our feelings. And it's a difference. 
And what happens is we get, they, they, the people who we're talking to get wooed by our ability to have conversation, right? By our ability to finesse, by our ability to come in and say, this is how I'm going to treat you. This is how I'm going to make you laugh. This is how I'm going to muse you about these different things. But we don't possess the tools to have a conversation around emotion and around structure and around intention. I'll give you a great example. We oftentimes tense up in conversation when it comes to an area that we don't have much knowledge in. Many of us don't know how to talk about things that we're not the expert in. I'll give you a great example. Many of us come alive when we talk about sports, but the moment you talk about religion or faith, a lot of us tense up. Whatever your bag is, I'm not positioning on you that just because you're a brother listening to this, that sports is your bag. Music might be your bag. And so you're solid when it comes to talking about music. But then when it comes to talking about history, you tense up because that's not your bag. That's not where you have knowledge in. And so what happens is many of us ghost the first time we're presented with a serious conversation. And I'm about to hit you with it. One of the most serious conversations that starts to happen is you will get asked this when your interaction is starting to turn into a situation ship. You will be asked one of the following questions. Question one, you will be asked, what are we? That is a definitions question. It is a leadership question. Put vision to this interaction. How should I understand it in my mind? Other question you will be asked, how do you feel about me? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to get asked, what are we? How do you feel about me? Or three, you might be asked some type of combination of the two, which is where are we going? Where are we going? Which is sometimes a combination of the two, right? What are we? How do you feel about me? And where are we going? Or some deeper conversation about how do you feel? What hurt you? When I did that, how did that impact you? Or you will be presented with some feelings that they have. Hey, when you said this, when you did this, it made me feel this way. And what happens is the moment you feel like you don't have the language to enter into that conversation, you shrivel up. Why? Because anxiety produces in us, no matter who we are as human beings, it produces in us fight or flight. So you're going to do one of two things in a situation where you are now being asked to have a conversation about feelings, emotional health, whatever it is you don't feel equipped to have, you are either going to fight and stand there and navigate in a healthy way. Or some of us are worse. You're going to try to finesse your way out of it or flight. You're going to abandon the conversation altogether. And then you won't just abandon the conversation. You'll abandon the relationship. Bro, be honest with me, fam. <laughs> How many times have you ghosted after a difficult conversation? How many times were you chilling until a conversation came up that you didn't feel like you were equipped to answer? And instead of giving an honest answer or facing it or dealing with it, you chuck deuces and were like, I'm out. And we do this. And then let me take you a step further, particularly when you're in these situations with a person who you are dating or who you are interacting with, who is good at talking about feelings. And if they're good at it and you've never been good at it, then you will oftentimes feel like you have to flee the conversation because number one, I'm being put on the spot. 
Number two, I'm having to now face some stuff that I was probably ignoring. I probably wasn't thinking about who we were. I was just enjoying the texting and the sex and the dates and having some company. So now I'm having to deal with that tension that for the first time, I have to look back at me and the ways in which my decisions and who I am is impacting a whole other human being. Or number three, I'm in this situation where on top of that, this person who I'm with, who might have a lot of experience and exposure in talking about this stuff, yo, when they start talking, (laughs) it will make your mind spin. You ever have somebody who starts opening up their feelings and they've obviously had some experience in emotional health and maturity and they start saying words and phrases that you have no idea about? Yeah, exactly. You ever been in that thing and and your person says, don't gaslight me. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I thought the gaslight was when when the car didn't have no gas. I, I thought the light was to tell you that's the gaslight, right? That's in the car. What you mean? You mean to tell me like our relationship about to be on empty? Is that what you're saying? Like, we're going to fill it up. We'll fix that. No, bro, that's not, that's not what she means. But I'm telling you, when you get into these conversations, people will pull out these banks of knowledge and of access and of language and of concepts. And if you don't have any of that, it will make you shrivel up. And if you don't possess the tools for healthy conversation, you will chuck the deuces because you're like, look, that makes me feel small. I was in it when I was just having fun. I don't know how to navigate that. So I'm gone. Is that the right response? No. But for many of us, that's what we do. Oh my God. For many of us as men, we run when we don't feel like we have what it takes to be good at something. But what's interesting is we feel like our only solutions are be the best at it or run away from it. A lot of dudes have their first kid at a time when they didn't plan to, was out here doing you, sexing, whatever. First kid comes about and you're like, wait, I can't do this. I'm not ready to be a father. I'm not ready to be out the streets. I'm not good at this. My life is a wreck. I don't blah, 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 blah. And so instead of being honest about that and trying to figure it out, like, hey, let me link up with some dudes who who have kids. Let me try to figure this out. We say, I can't be good at this, so I'm bouncing. And then we leave responsibility on the person who we do feel like is good enough. Here's the trippy part about that, though. The person you're interacting with sometimes doesn't feel good at it either. Right. Like you're looking at the distance between you and them, but the conversation is still uncomfortable for them. There's still some stuff that they don't know. They're just as afraid to raise a kid, too, in their like late teens, early 20s. They are just as afraid to go into this conversation about hurting feelings or what are we in that kind of stuff, too. They are also vulnerable and exposed. But for us, when we look at something and think that we don't have what it takes, we instantly go to. I'm trying to figure this out. A question is being asked that I don't have the answer to. I'm looking at myself for the first time and I feel like I don't have the tools to have this conversation. When you feel like you know it all, come on, bros, let's be honest. When we know what we know, you can't get us to shut up. When we know what we know, we will take up the most space everywhere. We like, let somebody start talking about draft picks right now and that's your bag. 
you uh-uh. and, and and don't let it be a room full of bros. We will literally shout over each other because it's a competition of this is all of our bag and we know it. Like, like don't let there be a conversation about theology if that's your bag, a conversation about men's fashion if that's your bag, a conversation about acting if that's your bag. Whatever it is, when we are confident in what we know, you can't get us to shut up. And the moment that there's any hint of insecurity, our first defense is to go silent. And so many of us ghost because we did not have the tools to have a proper adult conversation around emotions and emotional health. Now, here's the crazy part. Many of us are experts at game and that's how we get our person's attention. So what they don't understand when we ghost is how is it that we could sit up and talk on the phone for four hours But the moment I want to have a conversation about who we are or what's going on or something that happened or my emotions or your emotions, you're silent. Because we spend all of our dating time getting good at the game. We spend all of our dating time learning how to put words together, learning how to finesse, learning how to interact, learning how to, because remember, Part of the reason why this whole thing started in the first place is because you and I got good at figuring out how to make that first introduction. You're in the club. You got to figure out how to stand out against the other brothers. You're on social media. You got to figure out how to make your presentation in the DMs. Let me pause and tell you something I learned about DMs. And I wasn't ready to accept this for a long time, but I I had to finally accept this after a couple of people I talked to. Bro, way more people are in her DMs, then you understand. Can we just have a, can we have a come to Jesus moment? We, me and you gotta be honest about this. We be thinking that when we send that, you're so beautiful, or you send the heart eyes emoji responding to her Insta story, you know, let me do some other age appropriate examples. You think that when you show up that you the only brother at the church looking at her, you think you're the only one who is trying to walk her to her car from work. <laughs> you listen, I, I'm afraid you and I are one of thousands upon thousands. So you better figure out how you're going to stand out. You better figure out what's going to be different about your presentation that's going to set you apart from the dozens of others that are doing the same thing at the same time. And that's how we spend dating. We spend our dating time trying to figure out our own individual finesse to captivate more people. The problem is that's not what you need to stay in a relationship. In fact, the finesse is only going to get both you and her hurt in the long run. At some point, we'll have to have a conversation, brothers, about how the finesse hurts us because now we're present. I don't have time for this. This is a whole, this is totally separate. The problem with learning how to finesse is that you become powerful and fragile at the same time. Powerful enough because you can secure, bag, enchant, delight anybody. You got the charisma to do it. You got the money to do it. You got the followers to do it. You got the looks to do it. You got the whatever you have, bro, you've got that. And that has made you super powerful because you can get anything started. If you want to talk to somebody today, and that's part of the problem, which is the reason why you ghost and I ghost and we ghost is because we just look out and see so many options. We just be looking around like, hey, look, if this don't work out, I can start this whole process again because I've learned how to do it. You're powerful in that regard, but you're fragile because at any hint of dealing with real emotion, your whole situation can be shattered. Woo. Wow. I know. 
I brought this up because I've been that dude. I've been that dude who could preach a sermon for an hour. I can go an hour and a half if you let me. If people weren't going to fall asleep, I'd preach two straight hours. I could do this podcast easy. When And I'm not saying this as a flex. When I sit down to, to do these, it's, it's like a one-take thing, which is why I got into podcasting. Because I was like, yo, just you mean to tell me I can press record and talk for an hour and share that with people? Man, that's all I want to do. <laughs> so I could do this whole talking thing, and then I would get in situations where I was dating, and then that question would, one of those questions I told you, or those conversations would come up. Pro, pro, the, per, the closest person to me is one of the main people responsible for this. And she said, how are you? How's your heart? And that's her question. And I would always respond with how life was. I I didn't know how to have a conversation about how I felt. And and I could write it and I could talk in a sermon about it. But to do that face to face with a person, I don't don't know if it was I didn't have the skill set or I just wasn't prepared for that level of vulnerability and nakedness, whatever it was. But in every single one of those conversations, especially when there was conflict, I would tighten up. I would tighten up and be silent. I get this weird, (laughs) you'd be like, are you there? Is he stupid all of a sudden? I get this weird blank stare. I'm silent, like mute. And I'm trying to figure out, there's like thousands of thoughts that are running through my head. And at the same time, there's only one thought, which is like, (laughs) you screwed up and you're stupid. (laughs) And you're like, how did you get all of that from how are you? I'm telling you, especially when there's conflict, when we feel like we don't have the tools to go there, we will ghost. That's because we cannot be an expert at game and not spend this time becoming experts at relationships. All right, here we go. Number four, reason why we ghost, number four, is because we are taught that people are disposable. Reason number four, bro, one of the things we are taught is that women are disposable. We ghost because we believe that we can. I can ghost. Like, I can, and I can hit you up again when I feel like it. That's what, that's what we believe. That's what we believe. And for whatever it is, because you believe that you're, oh, I've gotten quite uh, expressive in my lifetime. I don't know if I want to say that. I was going to say an expression that's, that's a little vulgar. Whether your sex game, that, that's the appropriate way. <laughs> Whether your sex game is that strong and you feel like, hey, look, I'm I'm so good at this. I can ghost and I can have a revolving door entry. Or whether you believe that that person needs you or whether you believe that that person isn't getting that much play out in the world or whether or even if you have high esteem, you believe we believe that we can dip and it not matter. Or here it is. We believe that we can leave without having to think about how leaving randomly impacts our person. And one of the ways in which that happens is because we grow up getting told there's millions of fish in the sea. And so if there are millions, it doesn't matter what I do with the one. But part of humanity and part of growing as a man is we have to learn that It is true that there are millions, but you don't deserve millions. You're being measured by how you treat the one. 
Can I say that again? It is true that there are millions. We will be measured by how we treat the ones. One at a time, one conversation at a time, one moment at a time, one experience at a time. Because even though there are millions, the beauty is that there is one and that one is deserving of love. That one is deserving of compassion. That one is deserving of honesty. And one of the things that we do is we like to say, protect black women in general, (laughs) but ghost in the specific. It is the specific that proves your dedication to the general. (laughs) Am I too deep? Did this get deep all of a sudden? It is the specific, the way you treat the specific women in your life, the way I treat my mom, the way I treat my friends, the way I treat the women that I've dated. Princeton can't be Pastor Princeton save the world. But then if you survey these individual experiences and they are wrong, then that would suggest to me that Pastor Princeton has some work he needs to do. And and I'm not going to be so linear as to say that it cancels out, but it it does kind of cancel out. Because how can you say this in the general, but your specific experiences don't prove that? So we're taught that people are disposable. And you and I, we got to sit for a minute sometimes and be like, hey, bruh, have I been looking? How can I put this? Have I never taken time to put myself in the shoes of the women that I've dated? Have I never taken time to put myself in the shoes of the people who I have been with and been like, if, if that was me on the other, of the other side of that, would, would I be cool with that, right? If I was on the other side of being cheated on, if I was on the other side of having people, you know, I think sometimes we'd be, uh, <laughs> we like to date multiple people, but it'd be hard for us to know that our, the person we talking to is doing the same thing. We'd be like, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> Uh, nah. <laughs> I thought we was, well, listen, ain't nobody said nothing. So I'm just out here doing it till I'm doing it. Anyway, <laughs> who talks like that, Princeton? Jesus. It's my podcast. I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> stay with me. This is serious. Um, we are taught that, that there's this disposability. When was the last time you put yourself in the perspective of people who you dated. And when was the last time you and I sat and said, hey, it wasn't them, it was me. Leadership begins with ownership. Leadership begins with ownership. If you are a man like me and we believe that we're called to be leaders, that means that we own the problem. We don't just own the credit. Leaders like to own privilege. Leaders who don't understand real leadership like to own privilege without owning purpose. They like to own power without owning accountability. You and I have to be at a place where we own both. There are privileges to this walk that we have. There are opportunities to this walk that we have. But what we need to own first is we are responsible. We step up and say, hey, you know what? I should have been the one. And can I tell you what I've had to do? I've had to stop blaming people for my response. I've had to get to a place where I continue to say, Hey, you know what? As a man, as a believer in Christ, as somebody who holds a leadership position, as somebody who is frontward facing to the world, I should have led this better. I should have been upfront a minute ago. I should have. And you know what? Can I be honest? My issue in dating wasn't necessarily doing the wrong things. I wasn't, you know, 
cheating and things like that. And I'm not saying this is to be above. What I did was just as bad. But what my thing was, was doing too much too soon and building something that I had no boundaries around. And so then it became bigger than my intention. And like the Bible would say, and great was the fall of it. (laughs) So sometimes to take accountability means to look back and be like, hey, you know what? We did too much too soon. Sometimes, bro, the trip is too much too soon. And we have to be honest, was the trip really because you wanted to spend time with her and experience the world with her? Or was the trip because you wanted to flex and you knew that if she went on that trip with you, she would fall in love with the lifestyle that you could provide for her and it would make her enamored with you. And so you had it in roads, you were in there. And we got to be honest, like, were we doing things for connection or were we, I'm going to tell you, I was the chief of this. I was the chief of doing things so that I could be seen what my therapist calls it. She says, you love to husband present because you think that that's the only reason why a woman would love you. So you love to husband present. You love to prove in all these boxes, here's what a great husband I could potentially be. And then by the time they finally affirm that and see that in you, then you're, you are like, well, you know, in actuality, that's not what, that's not what I was going for. And you present all this before you've even made up your mind whether or not you want to stay. Can I say that applies to both genders? We oftentimes are in relationships auditioning when we too should be the people who are the auditioners. Did you hear what I just said? Catch me. (laughs) That felt good. I'm going to start saying that when I preach. Catch me. Catch me. (laughs) No, bro, you weigh too much. (laughs) I've gained a lot of quarantine weight. I really have. I dress impeccably, so sometimes you can't tell, but I can totally tell. My pants were slim fit before this, and so now they're just leggings. (laughs) Catch me. Focus. I don't have much time left. We go into relationships auditioning. We go into relationships like, okay, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. But hey, if somebody's about to be in a relationship, you better be writing notes yourself. (laughs) You better be auditioning them and seeing whether or not they click. And so we're in positions where we should be treating people as individuals, but we're taught that they're disposable. Let me give you one more. Here's a big one. Acknowledging what the truth is would come with boundaries. And I would rather ghost and maintain unclear boundaries so that I have room to come and go. (sighs) Let that one sit, fam. Reason number five. Reason number five why we ghost is because if I'm honest that I don't want a relationship, if I'm honest that I had a change of heart, if I'm honest that we should be friends right now, if I'm honest for whatever it is, then that would mean that I know that you as a respectable human on the other side of that conversation, mm, that's bad language. You as someone who values yourself as a human being are going to put up boundaries and say, okay, if you're not my blank, then we ain't going to blank. Insert whatever you want there. If you're not my person, if we're not here towards a relationship, if we're not blah, 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 then we're not going to be up on the phone talking every night. Then I'm going to talk to some other people. Then we're not going to be having sex. Then we are going to switch up, you know, this whole going on trips thing. I don't go on trips with someone who I'm not actually in a relationship with, blah, blah, blah. And you and I know this. And so what we do is 
We ghost because we know that if you share the truth, then that person on the other side of that conversation is likely going to erect boundaries. And because we don't want those, we leave it unclear so that we can always have this revolving door. That's the power of situationships. Situationships create spaces where because there are, there are no definitions, there can be no expectations. That's why we like situationships, because without definition, we don't have to be accountable to expectation. And so what happens is the moment you put clarity to something, that's going to define it and put up boundaries. And we don't want that. I want to live in this realm where I can come in and out and in and out. That's how you be setting up the booty calls, because you're in a position where there's no definition. So we don't have to talk for three days and I can hit you up and be like, hey, how's your week been? We don't have to talk for blah, blah, blah. And I can come in and know that this space has been created for this revolving door of communication. So one of the reasons why we ghost is because we're in positions where we don't want boundaries. We want a revolving door. That's not serving the person who we're with. And it's not serving us to live like that. I could do a whole another podcast episode to tell you that that is fun, but it's not fulfilling. It's fun for us as men to rotate through all these revolving doors and it does this affirmation thing. You feel like you're important because you got all these women that are orbiting around you or, or whoever your person might be, your men, whatever that is. You feel like you are on top of the world. It's fun. It's thrilling. You never have to be in the same place. You don't have to deal with that whole idea of quote unquote being bored or building. There's no accountability or whatever, but you will come to a point where you realize that what you want for your life can't be found in any of that. And my prayer for you is that you decide that before life hands that to you. Because discovering that at the bottom of all those experiences is not fun. Here's why. Because you will eventually have to deal with feeling unfulfilled and you will have to deal with the hurt that you caused other people in the process. And dealing with both of those emotions, I'm telling you, is not fun. I'm telling you, it's not fun. I'm Princeton Irvin Parker is telling you, it is not fun to realize that you got nothing out of the life that you live and you're navigating how you hurt people. It's not fun, I'm telling you. Let me give you two more. I'm out, y'all. Reason number six. This one's easy. Start talking to somebody else. <laughs> we ghost because here comes somebody else who catches our attention. And we're always trying to find the new and the shiny instead of building. So somebody else. We ghost because... When you start doing the world and talking four hours a day and going on dates and that, it's impossible to do that fully with multiple people. It's imp how I'm going to be talking to you four hours and talking to somebody else four hours if I got a job. If you ain't got no job, then maybe you got time for that. I got a job. I got four jobs. <laughs> And that's not a flex. It's just the truth. You know, if, if, and that's what I realized when, when I had my experience of, of ghosting, sometimes it's because something else grabbed that attention and I'm going to hold space for, it's not always someone else. Sometimes it's something else, but just be aware, be aware of that. Be aware. Ah, oh, this is so good. Be aware that when your attention is driven somewhere else, that hurts somebody. Mm. Can I, let's take this deeper. The other reason why we do this 
is because we do not pray and ask God, is this the relationship I'm supposed to be in? It's like plated brunch versus buffet brunch. Plated brunch, you decide what you want and you order it. Buffet brunch, you go try everything and decide what you want while you're like while you're looking around the buffet. I never thought brunch would preach like this, but brunch is anointed, so it makes total sense. When you don't pray and ask God beforehand whether or not you should be in a situation, you're going to treat dating like Costco sampling. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do this whole thing where you're doing this morbid, like everybody's two years. And I do understand that that's a process of dating is dating multiple people. But when you don't have clarity around intentions, you won't do that well and healthily. There's a healthy way to do it that involves communicating intentions, um, setting boundaries, communication. There's a healthy way to do it. But most of us aren't doing it that way. And I don't think most of us as men are supposed to. That That's my own personal belief. Some of that is my own experience. Some of that is definitely me inserting what I've learned, like, particularly if you are a man um, who has a, a strong degree of influence, you, you, we have to be selective. We need to not just be out here because higher risk, you could hurt more people. You could damage a lot. You have more to lose. You, and, and I don't say more to lose just because you have money and stuff. You have more to lose in that. Like if you hurt somebody, stuff could really hit the fan. Like you could really mess up somebody's life. So we stopped ghosting because somebody came in who captured our attention. And many times that happens because we didn't have clarity about being in the relationship we're in in the first place. We just started talking because you was cute. I wanted something to, and this is horrible language, but I have to address it. We just want something to do and something to conquer. And then when you check that box off, here comes the next challenge. But I got news for you. The relationship that God wants to give us is not about something to conquer. It's about something to invest in, which brings me to my last point. We are taught as men to pursue, to pursue. I have a hard time with the language of pursuit because what do you do after you catch what you were going to pursue? I think we're taught pursuit and not investment. I'll give you a great example. Pursuit, we teach it like hunting. But if you hunt, once you get it, you do one of, a few things with it. The first thing you do is you kill it. The second thing you do is you either consume it for your own enjoyment or you hang it somewhere to demonstrate the fact that you could hunt. Jesus. And sometimes, bro, that's what you and I do in relationships. When we're taught, you, you're, you, you pursue, men pursue, men pursue. Okay, well, what, what pursuit are we talking about? Because if we're taught pursuit like hunting, that means either I'm just going to get you and I'm going to enjoy this for my own pleasure, or I'm just going to post you up so people can see that's, that's all me right there. I bagged that. And I think we've been sold a horrible lie about what pursuit means. And people wonder why the switch up happens. The switch up happens because I was taught to pursue. The switch up happens because I was taught, get out here, go get them, go finesse. And then after that, move on to the next. I think pursuit really means investment. And there is no investment where there is not first care. When you're simply pursuing something, it doesn't always mean you care for it. But investment means you have to care. It means you see what you're investing in is valuable and you see also how that thing could value you. 
how would we love if we weren't out here pursuing women, but investing in relationships? What does that look like? What do you care about? Ooh, there's a question. Like we just, we got to ask ourselves that before every relationship. What part of care is making me pursue this? What do I care about? What do I care about with her? What do I like about her besides the fact that she's fine? (sighs) I hope this made sense, y'all. All right. Give me a minute and a half. As a preacher, as a pastor, as somebody who desires to share experience, Lisa Nichols told me this. I'll never forget it. She said, I will never cut people open beyond the extent to which I can put them back together. Lisa Nichols is brilliant. So I can't do this episode and not pause to say, if you, like me, have ever ghosted in a relationship, for any one of those seven reasons or for all seven, what do you do? Well, here's what I did. Number one, you got to call it out. You got to say that you've ghosted. Number two, you need to find out which one of these reasons was why you did it. Because if you don't find out why, you will ghost again. These patterns are a part of our personality, a part of how we've been conditioned, part of how we've been raised. And brother, it might not be your fault that you have these traits, but it is our responsibility to figure out what we do next. So find out which one of these seven was the reason for you. Maybe you have eight, nine, and 10 reasons. Maybe you've got more that I didn't write down on my list that I've experienced talking to other brothers or moving through my own life, but find out why. Number three, if you can, apologize. I'll do a whole nother episode on how to have that conversation. Um, I've unfortunately had (laughs) too many of them with friends, people I've dated, my family, where I have to apologize for going ghost, for being absent. And so I'd love to talk you through how to have that conversation, uh, maybe in a separate episode. But if you can, apologize. When you do, you need to leave space to hear and listen to the impact of ghosting, right? You might get a couple of responses. You might get a, hey, I really appreciate you for saying that. Um, You might get a, hey, I ghosted too. Like, ain't nobody tripping. It is what it is. You can get a slew of responses, but you should leave space to hear. Don't just go. We often go into apologies to get something off of our chest and then walk away. But when you really go into these conversations, if you want to do well, you have to leave space for the other person to express. And you can't assume. Like, don't just be like, I listen to Princeton's podcast. I know that it hurts you. No, 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 no. Let them have space to say how it impacted them. I learned a lot when I paused to listen to how me ghosting affected people. I learned a lot about your boy. I learned a lot. I really did. Don't expect for there to be roses right away. (laughs) Don't expect for the fact that you're apologizing to all of a sudden make things perfect. Last, or two more, make clear your current intentions and why you're saying this. Let me tell you one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. I had a conversation with someone who I dated and um, it was a really healthy conversation because we were able to unpack some things. Again, the way I'd handled that relationship was, was not the best. I learned some things that were important. The problem after that was we went back into a flirtatious relationship after that conversation. That created harm down the road. I wish I had time to unpack that. It created harm down the road because when you have a healthy conversation that is then followed by any remnants of who you were before or blurred lines or anything like that, 
it will make you look like the biggest hypocrite. And it will also undo all the good you just did by taking ownership. So you need to be clear with this person why you're coming back. I will never forget somebody asked me, a friend of mine, when, when it was a friendship conversation, said, why did you call back? Like, why did you call? And that was one of the biggest, like, I had to pause. <laughs> Lord Jesus, why did I, Lord? But it was so, it was so helpful because it gave that conversation a healthy direction and dynamic. Last but not least, set new boundaries. Jesus is a very forgiving person. The only thing he said was, hey, look, I don't judge you. I don't condemn you because all have sinned and come short. All of us have messed up. And I'm still trying to internalize that, man. That's the hardest thing for me to believe is that God loves me. But here's what I know is that everybody falls at some point. But Jesus says, I'm not going to trip that you fell. I'm just going to say, get up and don't fall again. I love y'all so much. I hope this was helpful. Subscribe, rate this podcast and send me a note. Let me know that this helped you. I love y'all so much. Again, I didn't really spill the tea, so I hope this blessed you. If it didn't, I'm gonna go back to not saying nothing about my life. No, I'm just playing. I'll see y'all next time for the next episode of Building Without a Blueprint with God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation. Keep building family. <laughs>